guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are finishing out the week, Lesson 81, 2 Timothy 2. You know, uh, it's been a lot. You know, we started off at the very beginning. We finished up, actually, 1 Timothy. And when I think of 2 Timothy 2, I, I just have to tell you, I think of Charlotte, North Carolina. Like, it's kind of crazy. I think of this big billboard. And every day that I would be going there for uh, my doctorate with Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in Charlotte, it was an extension campus from Boston, and Every time I'd go there in the summer to study, there was this huge billboard that just said disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. And it went from this big lettering of disciples all the way down to the little where you couldn't even read it. And right away, I automatically, every time I think of 2 Timothy 2, I think of that billboard. Because that's really the heartbeat when you think about 2 Timothy 2 too. I mean, that's what he begins to talk about. He's like, Timothy, I need you to carry this thing out. So what does he do? Well, it's kind of a fun picture. Remember... Paul's role, Paul's goal, this is his last, he's writing from prison, he's cold, he's in, uh, he's longing for a jacket, he's in chains, like there's a lot of environment that's just not that good, and he says, look, I want to paint a picture, and I love this picture here, okay, remember, he's talking about Christ being the, the mediator, the ransom for his people, and then at the same time, he says, yeah, but he's the righteous judge who gives us victory, so it doesn't look good, but yet at the end, we're victorious, and Paul is writing to Timothy all throughout 1st and 2nd Timothy. And so what does he do? He wants Timothy to be built up, right? This is his whole mentality. As you're pastoring Ephesus, I'm going to paint, you know, and I like what uh, Warren Wiersbe says, seven different images of what a minister could look like. Seven different pictures, seven different emojis, seven different little icons of, hey, what would this look like? Now, Paul very beginning, he talks through about what, what does it mean to be a steward. Okay, so in the first two verses, he talks about, like, what does it mean to be a steward? Again, this comes from Warren Wearsby, and he says, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love the affection. I love the love that he has for Timothy. He said, I want you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, this, the strength that's, that you have, it's totally not from you. <laughs> As you walk this thing out, as you look to advance the gospel, as persecution comes your way, as false teachers try to creep in, look, the only way you're going to get through this is dependent upon His grace that comes from Christ. And here's how I want you to steward this. This is the billboard. This is the, the big picture. I hope we get to the seven things. We might not. <laughs> we might only get to the first one. But he says, and here's what I want you to do. What you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, okay? You know, the Silas's. The Barnabases, right? Uh, the Luke's, the others, the others that would attest what Paul has been saying is true divine truth. Okay, well, you've heard me as other people have heard me talk to you. I need you to commit this truth to faithful men. These faithful men, what do they need to do? They then need to be able to teach others as well. And so it's an unbelievable model of discipleship. It is truly one of the best pictures. You have, obviously, you have Matthew 28. 19 and 20, where Jesus says, look, go, therefore going, you need to be doing this. In fact, I heard one of our board members today in a, in a board meeting. I love this image. John Wallace, he said, look, I think God likes to work with moving parts rather than sitting parts. And that was an interesting part. Why? Because as you're moving, he can just kind of steer you as he can kind of direct you. So he gets you to one place so he can take you to another. So it's like this as you're going and you're looking to make disciples like this is the desire that Christ has given 
Paul says the exact same thing. Look, what you've heard in me in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, you imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Paul is taking the words of Christ and now he's saying, look, now take what I've said and then you communicate this to other people. And so it's just kind of this fun progression. Paul, oh, yes, this is going to be great. Paul had to have been blonde-headed. Yeah. Paul, okay. That's Paul. Paul has a beard. Those aren't bananas. Paul, I mean, this is straight out of 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, okay? I think this is what's so interesting to me about the scriptures. This is the last thing that Paul's talking about, right? Multiple little chapters here. And he says to Timothy, hey, what you've heard from me, okay? Which means he articulated things, correct? He communicated truth into, into Timothy. That's a poor Paul. It's a bad Paul. Can't wait to heaven. That's not what it looked like. Did you guys know that Timothy, because he had bad eyes, he had, go- he had glasses. Did you guys know that? <laughs> Goggles. The swimmer. Look. Timothy was a hippie. <laughs> I think you're totally wrong. Okay. Paul pours into Timothy. The old guy pours into the young guy. <clears throat> All right. According to this model, what you've heard from me, and remember, other people, okay, heard this message. <clears throat> but somewhere in here, God highlighted Timothy. I think that's really important. Okay, you're still pouring into groups of people, but Lord, show me, who do you want me to pour into? So Timothy becomes that guy. And now he says, I need you to commit this message to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So in the lens of Ephesians, okay, well, Timothy, technically, okay, he should be pouring into potato heads, (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. These are Ephesian boys. <laughs> They're triplets. Sideburns. And goatees. <laughs> All right. But not, not. I'm so sorry for my artistic abilities, but uh, Ephesians 1. This is not the chapter, by the way. Ephesians 2. Uh, so we'll put Mr. Mr. Ephesians 1, Mr. Ephesians 2, Mr. Ephesians 3. Okay? You see the model here. Okay? Man, that might be some of my better drawings, you guys. Move over Mindy. <laughs> Hands. Maybe you should consider drawing faces. <laughs> All right, Paul says... I want you to take what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and I need you to commit, Timothy, commit to faithful men. Kevin, what do you think needs to happen? The other people need to do the same thing. There's one more chain, isn't there? So the Ephesians, Mr. 1, 2, and 3, guess what the model is? Paul has this model that now Mr. Ephesians, right? 
Kevin, can you pull up a map for me, please, if you don't mind? So here you have the Ephesians. You know what happens here, right? Every once in a while, they're like, dude, we're kind of tired of this beach. Let's go to Miletus. So you have the Miletus men. Now look, we can laugh, which is fun, and we need to. But I think there's some really crazy reality <clears throat> to all of this. Okay? Just a little bit different hair here. What's crazy is I have a lot to teach on today. <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time drawing. But I am okay with that. You know why? Because we need visuals. Because Paul said very clearly, he said, what you've heard from me in the presence of witnesses, Timothy, I need you to take this to somebody else. Take this to faithful men. So the Ephesians are considered, Kevin, faithful. Whoever you're pouring into, I need you to find the remnant. I need you to find ones that are going to take this truth and this truth, then they need to communicate to others. So Paul says, look, I don't want to see my labor done in vain. I want to come back and see that there's a remnant. I want to come back and see that there's actual growth. How do I know what I've been doing, what God's asked me to do? Timothy, you're passing this on. Like, this is important. I'm in prison. Timothy, we need to continue to advance the kingdom of God. Because of one man, he had this mentality. You guys, this man's family uh, heritage, his genealogy for, through Christ, is, it's ridiculous. No paper could probably hold what Paul did. And you want to know what? It was because Timothy got it. Timothy understood. He stewarded the truth that he was actually given. That, to me, is the most mind-blowing thing, maybe in all of Scripture, you guys, aside from Christ. Like, the reality is, is that they actually did something with the truth. Many times, the church in America, we don't sense this urgency because it feels like there's so many people around us, the Ephesians, the Miletus boys, the, you know, the Timothy. We feel like we don't need a disciple, but when the reality is, is i got to ask a question. Who is your Timothy that could even carry this lineage down? Like the disciples need to be making disciples. I don't understand why we think in the American church, oh, this is an option. You have to be a paid missionary to do this or a paid staff member at a church. Like he's not just talking to paid people, you guys. He's saying this needs to happen. So then here's the question. What's the message that you need to be communicating on? Because I think that's part of the problem. I think part of the problem is we don't know what truth is in order to communicate to somebody else. Yeah, we can talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I, th I think we've got that covered. We can talk about how we're victorious with Him and we're going to gain eternal life. Praise God. But you guys, we've got to go deeper than just this, and this is going to sound crazy, this simple elementary message as it talks about in Hebrews of salvation. Like we've got to get to a point to go deeper. Otherwise, false messages are going to come in. And you begin to lose your truth. So we did a study on the life of James and John. You guys have heard some of this before about a discipleship framework. Because some of us, to me, when you talk about 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, like, here's the reality. When you talk about this text, you're like, oh yeah, I'll make a disciple. But you're like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I'll never forget going into cities. This happens often. 
and you challenge staff members and pastors and you challenge folks that have been in the church for a long time, prayer warriors and intercessors, and you're like, hey, look, I think it's great that God's wired you to teach. I think it's great that God's wired you to pray. I think it's great that God's wired you to serve. I think it's great that God's given you an ability to to be hospitable. But Jesus still asked all of us to make disciples. How are we doing? We put this plaque, Matthew 28, everywhere in the churches, don't we, Kevin? Every time we come in a time revived, we see this. We're like, yes, they get it. They're going to be going. They're going to want to make disciples. But then all of a sudden you get new believers. You're like, I need people to pour into them and disciple them. How hard is it, Kevin, to get people to make disciples? Uh, it's, sometimes it's really hard. Yeah, it's like going to the dentist. Who likes a dentist? Well, some of you. Strange people might. <laughs> I think the point is this. You don't ever know what the outcome is going to be. And so because you don't know what the outcome is going to be, you're like, I'd rather not just begin to jump into the process. Making disciples. By the way, I like the dentist kind of. Um, like it's messy. Making disciples is a time suck. <laughs> Can I say that? Like it zaps your time. I mean, Kevin, your wife has got this better than anybody pouring into a a young lady into your own community. And I'm not saying bad or good, like it's just time. It takes time. You bring in family, it takes time. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you 10 words. Maybe if Paul learned this or observed this or heard this through the disciples that hung out with Jesus, maybe he heard it from Christ himself in a revelation, maybe. What, What are they supposed to be communicating? Well, when you study the life of James and John and how Jesus raised up disciples, there's a discipleship framework, okay? Bits and pieces, we've kind of put this together. And I I like this. First of all, what does Jesus do? Jesus clearly says, pray. Pray for Timothy. Pray that the Lord would give you one person. Now, here's the deal. You can say you're going to disciple your kids. I think that's great. I think you should. I think the discipleship piece with your kids is the first and foremost, absolutely. But it doesn't give you exempt to say, uh, like, if you say you're going to disciple your kids for 18 years and never disciple anybody else, I think that's a free pass. I think that's what you're saying as a free pass. I think God's given you the ability to maybe pour into one other person outside of your family. Now, if you have 40 kids, well, that's another story. But you get my point here. I'm I'm saying people use families as their crutch. Well, I'm just going to disciple my kids. That's fine, but you have to understand the model. Then those kids need to be discipling other kids, and those kids need to be discipling. That's the goal we're after. So pray that God would show you who is your Timothy. Ask the Lord for a disciple. And then in the process of asking the Lord for a disciple, you ready for this one? I love this. This is so practical. Look for them. Lord, men, hands up in your air, right? Hands up in the air, in your air. As you're praying, start actually looking. Pray with your eyes open. Walk the neighborhoods. God, show me, who do you want me to disciple? Well, that guy's weird. I'm never hanging out with that guy. That's what they're thinking about you, by the way, and me, as you're walking around with your hands up, except Rich, because he hangs out with charismatics now. Hands up. Okay. My point is this. It's like if you're asking the Lord to show up, then start looking for him to show up. You could have a neighbor that you've been pouring into or talking to with your neighbor for five years. You could be working with somebody on the factory line and you're like, the only reason that you're not asking is just because you're afraid. 
Pray and then look for the process. Look for a disciple that God has already prepared and then discern if they're open. And then you ready for this one? Once you have prayed, once you have looked, Timothy was found in Lystra. As Paul was going, he was probably asking the Lord, Lord, who can I help raise up? And then here's the best part. When you pray and you look, call them. Now, back then they didn't have phones. So you just asked them, hey, would you be open if I just poured into your life? Honestly, Kevin, I can count on my hands of people that have said that to me in my life. Because it's a major investment. I never forget, I never forget Walt Baker. I'm with my wife. We're at a Time Ministries uh, missionary conference when I was going to Dallas Seminary. My wife was working for another missions agency. And Walt Baker comes up to me. He says, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, uh, hmm. <laughs> I had a long enough pause. Then he goes, good, I'm going to pour into your life. Let's do it for two years while you're at Dallas Seminary. I was like, whoa, what? Who are you? Like, literally, that was my thought. And guess what? Every week since then, I did. He poured into my life because he was asking the Lord, who? And then you just have to have the courage to actually go and ask that person. And you're kind of like, look, I, I don't know what I could bring to the table. I'm going to help you with what you can bring to the table, okay? But my point is this, is Paul says, look, as I have entrusted you with this message, you need to do the same. That's how there should be church growth. Can I just tell you this? It's mind-blowing to me when I hear about churches declining, when I hear about churches going under. It's the craziest, it's the craziest thing. He's given us a church model growth. And hey, by the way, this is free. You don't even have to pay for this. Like, I just told you how you can do church growth. Just, just make a disciple. Have somebody else make a disciple. And then, Kevin, you know what happens? you got people growing. Now, are people going to leave? Absolutely. Are people going to quit? Absolutely. But there should be, if this is our mindset of discipleship, you should see church growth. If you just don't want to get dirty, you're not going to see growth. If you don't want to hang out with people and smell like sheep, you're not going to see growth. You pray for them, you look for them, and then you call. And then, you ready for this? Once you've called, as Jesus did with James and John, you ready? You wait for a response. You wait for them to respond. Hey, Timothy, would you like to come with me on the second missionary journey? I don't know, Mom, can I? <laughs> Grandma, can I? Like, you wait for a response. They might ask their family. They might talk to their parents. Positive or negative, the discipleship will, the disciple will give you a response of some form on whether or not they want to be discipled. Now, I got to tell you, like, you could get like five no's and then you know what happens? You kind of quit. There is somebody out there that God has already prepared to know more truth. And guess what? He wants to use you to do it. He wants to use you to disciple somebody. How do I know? Because Jesus has commissioned every single one of us. The Spirit of God is inside of us and that He is asking us to go call people to respond to the message of Christ. And now here's where, because here's where it's really going to get messy. And I'm telling you guys, this is really hard. You have to relate with them. But what do you mean by relate? You got to actually start doing life with the disciples. This is not just, hey, would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? Hey, I have Wednesday night Bible study. Like I'm talking about you have to actually do life with them and build intentional relationships. I mean, Paul even says this to the Thessalonians, right? He goes, you knew who I am. I'm invested into your life. Like people can't get to know you unless you're with them. So when Paul says, I want you to take this message that I've entrusted with you, he's starting to show the whole process of discipleship. This could be 
Some of what he gleaned, he gleaned from James and John, or he could have what he gleaned from the disciples, or maybe even Christ himself. So Timothy, I need you to start praying for the Ephesians folks. Start calling up these elders that fit this description, calling up these deacons that fit this description, and say, hey, I'd like to pour into your life, and then wait for them. Because if, if they're not ready to be in that role, if they're not ready to be discipled by Timothy, they're going to say no. And then here's the crazy part. He says, I need you to do life with them. Uh, this is probably, this is the turning point in true discipleship. The turning point is that you begin to actually understand their environment. Why is that important? Because then you begin to do this. You need to establish, okay? This is kind of key. You need to establish and help assist in them seeking out God's purpose for their life. Like some people just practically don't know like what they're supposed to do with this Jesus. I'm serious. People don't know how the Holy Spirit moves in their life. So you want to establish this process in their life. But you can't do that until you begin to have a relationship with them. But that doesn't happen unless you ask them, can I pour into you? Can I, can I invest into you? Then you're like, well, look, I don't have the capacity. I can only do one. All I know is that if Jesus did 12, then we probably have the capacity to do at least 12. Now, am I ever at that point? I'm not rarely. But I remember Howard Hendricks at Dallas Seminary. I remember Walt Baker. I remember Robert Coleman, Clem Coleman. These guys that I highly respected in discipleship, they're constantly pouring into 12 guys every year. Constantly. What an incredible model. And you establish who they are in the Lord. Now watch this, okay? How do you do that? Well, you begin to share and teach through hard biblical truths. Uh, okay, Rich, Kevin, Tom, what would be a hard biblical truth for a new disciple to begin to grasp? That's like, man, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. What, anything come to mind, Kevin? Rich? Holy Spirit. Just simply the role of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and how, and how to hear from Him and uh, just walking through a new believer. I'm just thinking back on my own life. and like, what does His voice sound like? How to differentiate His voice versus your voice or your thoughts or your feelings. And I mean, that's a process just to take somebody through that. And you got to, but you got to do it. Just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Don't just depend upon the pastor. Don't just depend upon the teacher We've all been asked to make disciples. You know, a simple truth that's really hard is that when Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Hey, by the way, now that you've signed up for Christ, are you willing to give up your life for him? Wait, what? Like, these are the kind of hard truths that I think are important that Paul would have communicated to Timothy on the journeys. Kevin? Working out your faith. You know, we would push as a new believer its faith alone, then all of a sudden you're supposed to work it out. That's right. So to go to your point, after you share these truths, Timothy, I need you to endure everything that comes your way. Work it out. I need you, and, and here's the cool part. Paul actually models for Timothy how to do this. He's in chains. He's cold. He's in prison multiple times. And then what happens? Timothy actually has to go through this. In Hebrews it says 13. We don't know where we don't know how he was in prison or why he was in prison. But you teach disciples to endure the hard truths. Because when they get this, you guys, this is a really cool, really cool truth. They'll remain in him. 
When you have to go through it, almost like this, you know, like this, a picture of this little thing that squeezes you and you come out on the other side. Like when you can endure and remain this refining process, man, you look more like Christ. And Paul says, look, Timothy, I, I need you to communicate what you've seen in me. Would you communicate this truth to somebody else, please? Why? So the Ephesians can communicate all the way over to Miletus. And who knows? Maybe they communicate it to the folks in Samos or maybe they communicate to folks in Laodicea or Colossae. I think the point is this. When true disciples of Christ begin to understand this truth, it then goes to, you guys, the very last part. They'll actually replicate. And so when I see 2 Timothy 2.2, like I know we hung out here this, this whole time. The kingdom of God does not advance, you guys, unless 2 Timothy 2.2 takes place. That's really all it comes down to. That's kind of the picture that we have. And, and the picture is, is I'm going to say it one more time. <clears throat> Paul clearly communicates the truth and he's pouring into somebody. And he says, Timothy, I need you to find people that will hold faithful to this message. Get rid of the false teachers. Communicate the truth because we need these people then to communicate to somebody else. And so here's the process. To be a steward of this, <clears throat> I'm just going to, I'm going to list words okay that's all i want to do here uh is that you have to be according to verse three you got to be a soldier (laughs) like you you can't back down he also says you know it's going to be in verse uh, five he says you got to be an athlete (laughs) not really you guys okay but you have to function as an athlete you have to have this mentality in verses six and seven he said you got to be wired like a farmer Hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get out the, the share of crops. Like you have to have this men understanding of getting out into the fields. How impre- important is that to understand 2 Timothy 2.2? He continues on, you guys, all the way then down. He goes into uh, verse 14. In verse 14, he says, you got to be a worker. So you're a steward, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, a worker. And then what else does he say? You have to be a vessel. A worthy vessel that does not associate any, with anything of this dishonorable function. And then finally he says, which other means you're available. That's what it says to me. And then finally he says, the last one that we're to be categorized is, and I love this in verses 24 through 26, you have to have a servant's heart. In order to make disciples, I'll do this this way. In order to make disciples, you have to steward what you've been given. And there'll be times you function like a soldier. There'll be times you function like an athlete or a farmer or a worker or a vessel or a servant. But I think the point is this, is that when you carry out this message of discipleship, the kingdom of God advances. And that's what I want to say. Amen. I think the challenge is for every single one of us. Look, go into the mirror, get on your knees, lift your hands, whatever you need to do to talk to the Lord. Here's what I would say. Ask the Lord to show you, who am I making disciples with? Who am I pouring into? If I'm not talking about my family lineage of my wife and my kids, I'm not saying you can't pour into your kids, but I'm talking about people that are actually making disciples because you're pouring into them. And I my prayer is, is that you actually have a chart and that this chart is growing.
here's the deal. If you don't have anybody, here's the best part about all of this. It's never too late to start today. <laughs> Just start praying. And as you're praying, start looking. As you're looking, get ready because you might just call somebody and say, hey, can I pour into your life? And then just wait to see how they respond. Thank you, Paul, for this incredible model. And my prayer is that we could live this out just as he challenged Timothy. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for the week. I'm excited as we'll pour into 2 Timothy 3 tomorrow. Have a great day.